is this the movie where at the end they just hop on an eagle and fly away or something? <laughs> Why don't they just fly in on the eagle in the first place, right? <laughs> this would have circumvented the entire story. Like imagine opening scene, they fly in on the eagle and do their business, right? Yeah. There would be no movie, right? This is Super Fast Business with James Schramko. James Helping you build your business super fast. James Franco here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 862. Today, I've brought back my special friend, Will Wang, who's a copywriting, marketing, lead-getting machine. Welcome, Will. Thanks again for having me back, James. Will, of course, from growthlabswithaz.com. A regular on the show. You've been back plenty of times. We work together on your own business, but we also talk about things that you're working on with your own clients' businesses. And I've sent lots of people your way and they're all getting great results, which I'm thrilled about for them. I'm happy for you as well. And of course, what we want to do is get some insights on these podcasts where you can get an actionable learning, apply it to your business and start getting results. And today's headline is pretty enticing. I've got to admit, <laughs> when I was, when I was uh, talking about this one, who wouldn't want a copywriting framework that triples your sales? I am intrigued. And just a publishing note, if I sound a little different or the video looks different today, I'm currently making changes to my studio here. So I've packed all my gear away while I was painting and I'm just running with a lean setup. So apologies for the change in quality, but we'll be back to regular programming in a few weeks from now. Now, Will, you love your copywriting. We've had discussions before about if AI copywriting is going to take over from human copywriters and so forth. And I remember in that episode, we determined that if you're actually really good at copywriting, then you can usually beat the machine and you've got better things like context and so forth. And you can understand meanings to a deeper extent for now, at least. Let's talk about this framework and how do you determine that it's tripled sales? Is this where it tends to land or have you seen a variation between you know, sometimes not getting a result to getting like a stratospheric result or is it very consistent? Yeah, that's a great question, James. Obviously, there's a lot of context behind it, right? And the best copywriters out there I know, as I said in the last episode, we talked about AI. It's all a thinking exercise rather than a writing exercise. Now, the clients that we've wrote this out for, obviously, we're, we're the ones thinking for the context, thinking for how it actually works. But we actually delivered a training kind of similar to this with the same framework within Superfast Business. And just seeing some of the results and posts come back of people actually saying, hey, actually, we tripled sales, we tripled conversions. That was pretty cool. So if it's the right context, if it's the right play for your business, it should get you some pretty cool results. Like I've seen tripling. We've had clients who have 10x the results from this, but obviously we want to understate it. So tripling is pretty safe to say. That being said, you know, you've got to start from a baseline and then measure where you actually get up to. Right. Well, at least the headline is compelling. So that's got to be part of a good copywriting formula. Like I was really keen to record this. As you said, we have done a recording inside Superfast Business. Members who are in there are getting access to high-level trainings from people like Will on these topics and implementing them well before they come out into the public domain. But what we're going to do is at least we're going to give you enough information today to go away and do something and start making changes to the way you're marketing your product or service. Hopefully, if you're getting results from this stuff we're publishing on the podcast, you might be interested in becoming a member of Superfast Business. Or if you want some help with your copy and you want to get help from a professional, then I would recommend Will Wang. So let's talk about you know, what are the steps for us in this framework that are going to help us triple L sales? Yep. Awesome. So the first step actually starts outside of the framework itself. So before we even jump into the copy, there's a lot of things we've got to realize. 
Again, we've spoken about a thinking exercise to make sure it's relevant for you, but also understand that sometimes if you launch this framework and it doesn't quite land, or it doesn't quite hit, it doesn't mean it's failed. It just means you've got to test. So test, test, and test again is the first thing that you've got to be aware of. And even if you do launch a framework, it triples your sales and you're happy and you know, things are going good, it doesn't mean you stop testing. So that's the number one thing to realize. This is just the beginning, but I'm going to give you the exact framework on how to do it, but you've got to keep improving and keep getting better results over time. In terms of the framework itself, the way that I, that I kind of came up with this, you know, it's a framework based a lot around some of the best storytellers out there. So growing up, I kind of grew up in a tough neighborhood, you know, pretty rough neighborhood. And my escape from that neighborhood was actually to go to my local library where things are quiet. There was no craziness going on. And I could just kind of chill out for a bit. And as I started going through the library, I mean, I had nothing better to do, but to start picking up books. And I started really getting into reading and science fiction. And I started to realize that when I went home at night, I had TV there, I had games and all that kind of stuff, but I just wanted to keep reading these books. So coming back, when I started my copywriting journey, I thought, well, if we could get someone to read sales copy and to be stuck to sales copy, like I was when I was reading these science fiction books, you know, these 500 page novels, that would be a really cool thing to do. So the framework itself is developed around the idea that, you know, we can tell a great story. We can use the structure from the master storytellers and build a framework to suck someone in and to keep them reading until they're at the point where they have to take action. So similar to the training that we delivered inside Superfast Business, I'm going to use the Lord of the Rings as my vehicle to talk about this framework here. So I'll go straight into the framework and it is a 10-step framework. And essentially what it is, it's a story-based framework that's going to get someone to, you know, first and foremost, get their intention. So that's number one of the framework itself. And if you think about the Lord of the Rings as a movie series, right? It's a 12-hour movie series, but people are absolutely obsessed about it. They start off the very first movie by showing you an image of dwarves and elves and all of these weird characters. And what they're doing in that case is they're really calling out their audience. They're saying, hey, this is what this movie is going to be about. If you're not into science fiction or fantasy, you're probably not going to enjoy this movie. So that's the number one thing for us to do as well. Uh, it goes back to the principle that Perry Marshall talks about in his book, 8020 Sales Marketing, where we're not trying to sell to everyone. We're not trying to sell to 100% of the market. We're trying to get for 20% that's going to get us 80% of sales. So that's the first step in the framework. So step number two is all about getting them to stick around. And the way that we do that is we use a lot of emotions. So traditionally in sales, people have talked about the pain, talk about the emotion behind the pain, similar kind of concept. But in this framework here, it's a bit of a longer form copy, right? A longer form framework. So we don't need to hammer the emotion or hammer the pain point at the very beginning of it. It'd be a little bit more gentle. It'd be a little bit more subtle, but it's all about getting them to understand that we know where they're coming from. So really emphasizing that we've seen other people or we've been in their situation and really relating to them on a personal and also emotional level. So that's number two. Number one and number two, they've been around for a little bit in terms of the thinking behind it. Traditional copywriting relies on qualification. It relies on emotion. So that's pretty basic, right? But from number three onwards, this is where we start looking at mixing up a little bit. So Number three for me is all about climbing the mountain. And from Lord of the Rings, this is the scene where the Fellowship of the Ring are trying to climb up the mountain to get to where they need to go. And there's snow and ice and it's miserable and the mountain's collapsing on top of them. And so when we relate it to copy, this is the part where we talk about what they've tried themselves previously, i.e. climbing up this mountain, and it hasn't worked and it's failed, right? So if you think back to the movies, I don't know if it, your audience are as geeky as me, but you know, Lord of the Rings is one of my favorite movie series. They tried to get to the mountain and they just didn't work for them. They had to come back down off the mountain. 
So they tried something and it didn't work. And depending on what you're selling, right, especially if you're online space, if you're selling courses or coaching, consulting memberships, uh, or if you're selling some kind of service or product that people might have tried to find a solution themselves previously, this is a really good place to talk about what they might have tried. They're going to relate to this because they've experienced that pain and frustration. Thinking back to how I got started online, which was struggling to build a website. And then my very first successful product was helping other people who were struggling to build a website. But I found a way up the mountain and then I was basically sherpering other people up the mountain as well, and giving them a lift pass, <laughs> saying, look, just pay here and you'll get to the top of the mountain much easier than I had to do it. And so I can really relate to this, obviously, from the hero's journey. This is where the main character is having all sorts of trials and tribulations. And I remember one lady who I learned some of this storytelling stuff from in a course, she was talking about everything that can go wrong must go wrong. And I thought that was really interesting. That's a great way of explaining the challenges that you're going to be talking about in your copy. And actually, that that brings up another point. What what I might do afterwards, James, is after we go through the framework, I might even go through an actual example and talk through how I put a copy together for a certain product. Yeah, so I'll I'll go through the framework so everyone understands what the puzzle pieces are. And I really look at this framework as a puzzle piece because sometimes you don't need every single piece to build a really great puzzle. Sometimes you do. So I'll go for the framework and then I'll come back and I'll use one of the things that we've talked about in the past, which is this whole freelancing thing. And I'll use that as a really great example of how to put the framework together and give people an actual example of the copy that they can write. Okay. Step four. Great. Step four. So they've tried to climb the mountain in step three. It hasn't worked for them. Step four is where we can you know, really say to them, well, here's why. So step four is where I start calling out the real enemy and I put myself on their side. So you know, this is, again, from traditional copywriting, where it's calling out a common enemy, but it's really explaining to them and taking the pressure off them saying, hey, it wasn't your fault that it didn't work. In fact, for 99% of people, it doesn't work. And here's why, right? Here's someone who's telling you the wrong thing or giving the wrong information that's leading you to fail. So in a way, it makes our readers feel a sense of relief, like, wow, someone gets it that it's not my fault. I'm not X, Y, or Z. It's not that I'm not capable. It's just that I was given the wrong information. They might also get angry. Might. Another emotion. Exactly. Like the odds are stacked against you. They're like, wow, this sucks. How dare they? You know, and they want to rise out of that. That's a really strong emotion. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, just as an example, in the online space, the way that I like to play this one is pointing out all of the gurus that make it look a little bit too easy. And again, it just makes people think, yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, and I'm so glad that you've told me the truth. So by pointing out who the real enemy is, we position ourselves as a friend and a companion and a trusted advisor. So that's the reason why, you know, number four is all about the real enemy and why the real enemy has led them to not climb the mountain. Now, after we go through that, the fifth puzzle piece of this is to give them hope. Now, you might know this term. Well, the way I look at it is giving them hope is a unique mechanism, which is a, a copywriting term. But this is you know, explaining, well, why am I different, right? So we've established that they've got bad information. There's a common enemy giving them the wrong information, pointing them in the wrong direction. But why am I different? Like, What have I got that is so different from everyone else that's going to make you trust me? So to actually do this, to think back to the Lord of the Rings, this is a really great place where we can start bringing in a whole bunch of new emotions as well, right? Looking at new ways of doing things. This is the hope. You know, when the music comes through and they've got the pipes in the background and it lifts them up, this is where we come in and say, look, we're going to help you 
take you to Mordor because we've got this great party. The armies have tried it before, but we're going to go in stealth mode with a bunch of nine weird characters, right? This is the hope that we're going to give them. So that's the unique mechanism. And coming back from that, number six, we've got to look at you know, what is the uncommon truth? So I, sometimes I combine the two of them into one. So giving them hope through an uncommon truth. And the best way that I can describe in terms of you know, storytelling to think through it is this is kind of when they're sitting around discussing how they're going to go into Mordor and destroy this you know, ring and save the world. And they're thinking, well, can we get the armies to go in? And they're going, well, hang on, we've done this before and it hasn't worked. So the army thing doesn't work. Like that's the uncommon truth, right? So what can we do to actually make this work? And the new mechanism and the hope mechanism is let's do this via stealth mode. So these two, I sometimes interchange the order which they come into. And again, it's a puzzle piece that I can pull in and out of the story as we need to. The uncommon truth, just before we move on to the next step, the uncommon truth also is a place where I like to shift the paradigms or for the readers coming through, I introduce a new groundbreaking idea that changes their thinking entirely. Because if we can change their thinking, and this is one of the hardest things to do with copy and persuasion and negotiation is to get someone to change the way that they're thinking about a certain topic. So if we can go through and use a story to get them even thinking about, oh, maybe there's another way to do this, we've already done most of our job as a copywriter. So this is where we go through the common truths, reveal everything to them and give them a new way of thinking through things. So after that step, it's step seven or puzzle piece seven, let's call it, where we paint the promised land. This piece for me is a really, really important piece because they know what's going on. They know what they've done wrong. They know what the pain is, right? They're sitting in the pain and that's why they're reading this sales letter. We've got to take them through on this journey to this new land or this promised land where they can see what the future looks like. And this piece for me is typically where I spend a lot of time when I write copy and I really go into the senses. And what I mean by that is I start to say things like, imagine this, or can you hear this in the background? Can you feel this, right? And the best scene of that is from Lord of the Rings again, when Sam and Frodo, almost at the end of their journey, they're going through such a terrible time. Frodo's thinking about quitting and Sam's sitting next to him going, hey, can you imagine what happens when we finish this journey, right? And he actually uses a lot. He invokes every single sense. So Sam is like, you know, I can see the orchids in blossom. You know, I can hear the birds. I can taste the fresh strawberries that just come off the vine and they've got cream on them. And I can hear the kids playing. They're all happy and like just evoking the hope and actually painting the picture of what the future is going to look like. That's such a powerful thing to do. And, you know, this copy framework, I like to go into the same kind of structure. I like to think about what's their life going to look like? What are they going to be doing when they wake up every single morning when we've solved this massive issue in their life, right? Whatever this massive issue is, what are they going to feel like? What are they going to look like? What are they going to have? And really go and build this reality for them. So this is such an important step. And normally this is the step this is the puzzle piece where I say, look, this is probably one of the ones that you must have because this is what's going to lead them to actually taking action to do this. Also, I think where a lot of your enemies, the gurus, they do focus a lot on the dreams. It's pina coladas and hammocks and so forth. And a lot of these e-commerce types, you know, with their Airbnbs and rental cars and bling, they're painting a lot of promised land to these very influential 20-somethings. I see that marketing technique probably overused at the surface level for a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Instagram comes to mind. Instagram is promised land, you know, curated nirvana in my mind. (laughs) This is one of those places. Yeah, exactly right. 
You know, one of the things drawing me to the online space in the beginning was I'd seen those pictures of being at the beach in a hammock with the laptop and so forth. And obviously it's a very different reality on the way through. And I even changed my entire position on that to make a statement. I think success is when you're at the beach without your laptop. That's real success. As you and I, when we go for a surf, we're not taking our laptop. When I see the guy down at the beach or the girl, you know, up against the wall with the little laptop with the sun blaring in their screen, I know they're not having a comfortable experience and they're probably just escaping a less bad situation like just sitting in their lounge room on the couch. You know, it's like they just want a change of space. So painting the promised land, do you think that's overused? I think it depends on the market again. In, in the online, like the coaching space, absolutely. Yeah. Every rental Airbnb and, you know, Lamborghini rental person on Instagram definitely overuses it. Well, you know, I've, I've got a website open in my tab now, which I was speaking to a client yesterday, and he's selling millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of this product. It's not in the online marketing space. It's not in the coaching or food or fitness type space. It's in a really ordinary space, I'll call it. And I think this is an area that painting the promised land is not amped up enough on this. I actually have it in my tab because I told him I'm going to be speaking to you and I was going to ask you what you would recommend he changes or if you should be chatting to him about it. So I'm pretty excited to share that one with you. But this is a case of where dialing in some of the things that we're probably dull to might really change the game for this client. Definitely. Now, one of the ways that I approach this, depending on the market, again, it's a thinking exercise and it depends on how much the market's been hammered, what they're used to seeing, what they like to see and what they don't. But in markets where the promise line is being up too much, I actually play the opposite. I go, it's not about the Lamborghinis. You know, I'll even make a joke of it. I'll say Lamborghinis and Ferraris are nice to look at, but they're a massive pain in the butt to drive. Like I wouldn't drive, there's potholes on the ground. You've got to lift your front every time there's a speed bump. It's just a pain in the ass. Well, and in, in most cases, they have to hand the keys back when the rental's finished. <laughs> so, yeah. By the way, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of renting things like that. Get it out of your system, but don't pretend you own it. That's the difference that I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, and they're not too handy for surfboards. I, I'm really happy with my Subaru. Like it's, Imagine putting a roof rack in a Ferrari. <laughs> this might be counterintuitive, but I'm really happy with my Subaru for kids' runs and shopping and stuff. Not that I'm going shopping at the moment or that I even have to go and get anything, but in normal times, it's great. And it's got roof racks to put the board on and go somewhere different or whatever. But my philosophy is I'd rather just live within walking distance to the beach. That's my prime filter. If I can live within a few minutes walk to the beach, then I think that's, for me, better than a Ferrari or Lamborghini. I feel like I've probably got the cars out of the system after being in that so deep and, you know, like all of us, we want to change from time to time. So what's step number eight, Will? Yeah. So step number eight is be the guide. So in short, how can you be their Gandalf, right? How can you lead them and give them foresight? You know, what have you done? So this is where social proof comes into it. What have you done in the past? What experiences have you got? What expertise have you got where you can be the one that guides them in the right direction this time? Right. So this is kind of, we've laid up to this. We've kind of hinted at this, that they've got the wrong information. Now I've got to show them and prove to them that we can be the guy that they actually need. So you know, this is where testimonials will be great. This is where you can bring in case studies or talk about examples. Number eight is all about showing them that you're the right guide for their situation. And you know, this is one that people often mix up a bit because quite often they've positioned themselves as the hero. And I remember doing an entire episode on this. There's a previous podcast about be the guide, not the hero, because a lot of people like 
they've built their whole brand around being the hero and that actually intimidates their prospects. They don't want to be another trophy on the wall for their hero. <laughs> they would rather get the trophy, I think, and the guide is quietly in the background, you know, like your Gandalf or Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever. They're just low-key. It's really funny because if you think about, I don't know about people listening, but for me, when I watched The Lord of the Rings, Gandalf is one of my favorite characters. And the main character, the hero of the story, which is Frodo and Sam, you know, I'm like, eh, this part's kind of boring. Like, I don't even care about the main hero. It's the guide and you know the adventure that kind of draws me into it, not even the hero piece. You know, one thing that really jumps out for me with this one, is this the movie where at the end they just hop on an eagle and fly away or something? <laughs> Why don't they just fly in on the eagle in the first place? Right. <laughs> this would have circumvented the entire story. Like imagine opening scene, they fly in on the eagle and do their business, right? Yeah. There would be no movie, right? It kills the story. And this is what I used to do. I used to just jump in with the punchline. And if I didn't do the work to get people through the phases where they needed to be, to be ready to accept that that's the punchline, they wouldn't purchase. So this is a really valuable metaphor. It's kind of like... Um, Sir Edmund Hillary, you know, the first guy to climb Mount Everest, but there was a Sherpa there as well. Mm. You know, and those dudes were probably been hanging around there heaps before that. I don't know. I'd have to check it out. But even in in our own country here, right, in Australia, Mm. Captain Cook gets a lot of recognition for lobbying and, you know, discovering Australia. But there were people living here for 50,000 years before that. (laughs) So it's interesting how there's often something in the background or in the scenes who's really doing the cool stuff and not getting the credit for it. One of the things that I'm faced with as a coach is a lot of the people I'm coaching are way more famous than me. I've got people like Pat Flynn, for example, Tom Breeze. They're out there They've got mega followings. They're doing amazing stuff. And it does take some humility to just be in the side, you know, be in the wings, making sure they're getting the success they want. So I think if your product can be a good guide, it's a great position to be if it sits well with your style. And if you're happy for your customers to shine and you want them to get the spotlight and they succeed, because I don't know about anyone else, but for me, that's my sense of achievement and significance is that they got the result. That meant I was a good coach. And for some people who are going through this framework, they may be tempted to not be able to take that guide position. They still need to be the hero. And I'd say, listen, take it from someone else. It's okay to be in the the seat beside the driver doing hot laps and letting them get the trophies because you are a part of that. Step nine. Yep. So step nine is I call it and my axe, right? So this is the scene where the fellowship are actually gathered around. They're saying, hey, who's going to come along on this journey? They're saying to them, hey, if you come along on this journey, chances are you're probably going to die. Like it's not going to be pleasant and slant on the rainbows. This is a dangerous, brutal, hard work kind of thing. And still there's people signing up for it, right? There's Gimli with his axe and my axe and everyone's joining. So step nine is we've gone for the story. People know what's going to happen. We're going to be truthful with them. We're going to be honest and say, look, this isn't a thing where you do this one thing and immediately your life changes. There's work involved. We're going to step back from overhyping and overclaiming, and we're going to actually give them the truth and qualify them in. So for example, you need this coaching space. There's so many people out there who are just saying the wrong thing, saying, hey, come on board and in three months, you're going to make a million bucks. Like That's just not true at all. So we're going to take an opposite approach and use this framework and go, it's going to be tough. There's going to be work. You're going to push your comfort zone. But hey, if you choose to do this, this might actually be worthwhile. I'm going to let them choose themselves, you know, make up their own minds if they want to come along or not. 
We're not trying to mass convince everyone. We're just trying to pick the people who are self-qualified and take them along on the journey with us. Yeah, and I think in some of the markets we've seen where people have not had this step nine, they're probably experiencing 30% refunds and complaints and chargebacks and so forth. Or if you have a membership and people come and then leave straight away, step nine might be your solution. I like that. I think in copywriting terms, it might be called the takeaway. It's where you basically at this point, you're pretty much taking it off the table for them and they have to fight to keep it on the table and they're, they're wanting to be in. So even though it's hard and even though it's challenging, you're really making sure that they're motivated for it. And it, for the right people, they'll want it even more. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you, if you use this puzzle piece, just bear in mind that you probably will lose some sales, but those sales would have been refunds and chargebacks anyway. This step nine, I've, I feel like I've crafted my entire offerings around this. Like um, <laughs> Because I have a membership and because it's performance-based, I don't want to waste time and energy upfront on the wrong prospect for them to discover that it's not what they thought or for me to discover that they don't have what it takes. And the right people get the fantastic results. In my ecosystem, the people who come along with their acts, step nine, you are one of those people, Will. You are an amazing soldier out there in the battle of business with your axe. You're like, I'll bring my axe. I'll bring my bazooka. I'll bring my tanks. <laughs> like, you're like, like, let's go. Let's go get them. And my only job is to help you choose the right equipment and send you to the right battles so, yeah, as someone working with you in your business. I love that in a customer. So that's a, a great step, number nine. I like that one. I'm a huge fan of number nine. Awesome. So step number 10, and this is coming back to the joke from previously, James. Step number 10, I call it WTF giant eagles, right? This is the whole premise of like, hey, they had eagles from the very beginning. They just flown them in, dropped the ring, and then just got out of it and just gone back to pancakes and strawberries. So after we've gone through and gone talked about the journey, qualified them in, we're then going to turn around and go, look, if you're keen, if you know there's hard work involved, if you're qualified, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to provide you with the giant eagles to shortcut the journey. So this is after they know that this is for them, after they're qualified, now we're going to make it easy for them, right? We want to make it easier for the right people. We want to shortcut the journey, less time, less stress, less effort, less money, whatever it is. And you know, this is where we offer it after they've qualified into our offer. I love it. And by now they're like, yeah, man, I'll get on board for an eagle. <laughs> sounds way better than a losing battle. And I'm happy to, for you to organize the eagle because now you've positioned yourself. Like you, you know their scenario. You understand what they're up against. You've been there before. You're the guide. I think this all makes sense. You're very good at this, Will. You should do it for a profession. Oh, maybe, James. <laughs> Would you like to run us through the example? For example, you've got a freelancing program that you're doing at the moment. Why don't you just walk us through the steps and highlight your technique here? Awesome. So this is going to be off the cuff. I don't have the copy prepared. So I'm going to go for the framework and just give you an example off the cuff. So starting off step number one, getting their attention, I would say things like, have you thought about freelancing, but there's so much misinformation out there? Or I'll say things like, are you just tired of fighting for the traffic every morning to get to your nine to five job where you're not making a difference? That's the getting their attention, opening the curiosity loop, right? It's going to get them to say, whoa, hang on. What are you reading my mind? What's going on? I'll then go into step number two or puzzle piece number two, which is sticking them with emotion. I would say things like, hey, I completely get it. When I was in corporate, I just had my son. I was being sent to another state Monday to Friday. I was missing time with my family, feeling miserable and lonely and just depressed that I wasn't making enough of an effort on the world. I thought that my life was meant to have more and be more. So that's the emotional side, number two. 
Then I'll go into number three, which is I tried everything to leave my corporate job. I had tried affiliate marketing. I had tried you know, this and that and sales, and it just couldn't cut it. I just couldn't get through my issue, right? That I was so introverted, that I was this, I didn't have experience. That's climbing the mountain, which is step number three. And I would also say, you know, and the thing is, there were people out there that kept saying to me, hey, just do this one thing and you're going to have Lamborghinis and mansions and be on the beach every single day. And I kept seeing this stuff come through on Instagram and they kept sending me emails about how they were flying private jets and all this kind of stuff. Now I realized that there's companies set up to let these people take photos in a decommissioned private jet and use them for Instagram. And there's a whole lot of BS where they rent the cars, they rent the mansions. So that's step number four, where I paint the real enemy. That really gets you annoyed, doesn't it? When you discover that, this whole scam going on. Right? Like, first of all, I realize I'm like, these guys are just the shonkiest people on the face of the planet. And that's what the readers might be feeling as well. When they realize, oh, hang on, are you serious? Like, these guys are renting everything. Like, they don't own anything. They probably don't make that much money. That's when, you know, they're surprised and also frustrated and angry. And that's like, all right, now let's focus that, that attention and energy. When I was at Mercedes-Benz, I was really surprised by the percentage of people who finance and how weak a lot of them looked on paper, you know, how we had to battle with the finance company <laughs> to get them accepted. I don't have anything against financing a vehicle if you want to do that, right? I, I know in different countries that makes a lot of sense. We can pretty much, you can set your monthly amount to be pretty much what your car will cost you and get it about right. Or even better, they just take it back from you. But the other thing that struck me was how many people were driving around a car that was not worth as much as what their payout was. And they always made it our problem to try and fix. That was astounding. But everyone in their world, everyone in their office, everyone in their social world or their next door neighbor would think they were absolutely loaded. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so credit is probably one of the ultimate magic tricks. And, and so I, I'm really relating to this point that I've seen it firsthand. Keep going. This is really good. Awesome. So that was number four of the puzzle piece where we're painting the real enemy and who the real enemy are. Now we're going to go into giving them hope, right? Step number five. So this is where I'll come through and say, look, I know what you're going through because I've been there and I was an extreme extrovert. So, you know, for me, it was even harder. But the thing is, if I've done it, I know that you can do it too. And I've mapped out every single step that I took to go from being extremely introverted, to go from almost losing the mortgage, to get to the point where we're now financially comfortable, where I can go into a restaurant and order what I want without looking at the price tag. So that's my flex, right? That's my anti-guru kind of play. I'll then go into number six, where it's all about shifting their paradigm. And I'll say things like, you might not realize, but there's never been a better time to become a freelancer if you do it properly. Right. And you might not even realize, but when you are a freelancer, things open up for you, not in terms of, you know, you can drive flashy cars and things like that, unless you really want to do that. But that's not me. And again, I'll come back and say, look, it's not about the big thing. It's about the little things. And I'll shift the paradigm to thinking, what is my freedom actually mean? And then step seven, which is painting the promised land. I'll underpaint my promised land, but I'll also give them something to aspire to at the same time. So I'm going to balance that one out. So I would say things like, you know, for me, it's not about the flashy cars. It's not about having you know, a Ferrari sitting in the garage gathering dust. For me, it's about being able to take my kids out of school in the middle of the week and go to the beach and enjoy three or four hours together and not have to worry about a phone call. That's everyone in Australia right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> literally, literally everyone's got their kids at home and they're off at the beach, which is, it's the world's softest lockdown probably, thankfully for us. Yeah. So obviously, in terms of context, if I was marketing in Australia, I'd change that story up a little bit because everyone's thinking like, well, that's not that cool, dude, because like, we're doing this every day anyway. 
So then I would change it to something like, well, maybe it's the fact that we don't have to sacrifice a lifestyle. We can go and order takeaway every single week if we wanted to. And just, you know, we know that when lockdown's over, we can go traveling and go wherever we want. So it's all about, you know, the balance of what everyone else is doing versus what you can do that's different that other people can't do. This is the phrase, you know, do what others won't today to live how others can't tomorrow. This is where I play through that kind of idea. So that's the promised land. Number eight is, you know, how can you be the guide? How can you be the Gandalf? This is where I come from and say, well, here's the thing. I know what it's going to take to make the journey a success for you because I've walked it before. And I want to give you the templates, the steps, the frameworks, and the help that you need to get to your own promised land, right? This is me saying, I'm not the hero, but I've got everything that you need to go through and be the hero, you know, be the hero. There's another way to demonstrate that too, which is sort of it leans on number five when you're talking about give hope. You know how you're saying, you know, I was able to do it. I like this concept of, look, I was able to do it. And then I showed a few other people and they were able to do it. That now just transfers the baton. It's like, it wasn't just me, but it's the people that I've helped and they're doing it. So it's like, hey, not only could I do it, they could do it. If you can choose examples of people who are not overly talented or lucky or sophisticated, and they were able to achieve success, it really lowers the bar of believability, which speaks to the strength of your system, of course, that you can get the results. So that's the ultimate way to be the guide is to have heroes. If you can demonstrate existing heroes, that's probably a good time to mention it. Yeah, exactly. This is where we start pulling case studies and testimonials and all of the good stuff that you can bring into your copy to really strengthen and enhance the story because you're not the one telling it now. Now it's about someone else that they can relate to as well. And then we go into step number nine, which is, you know, and my acts. This is what's called the court's action, the CTA component of it. This is where I'll come for and say something like, look, here's the thing. I've given you an idea of what freelancing might look like, but I'm not going to blight you and tell you it's going to be an easy journey because it's not. You're going to have to push your comfort zone. You're going to have to work hard. You're probably going to have to work hard on top of your job. And it's going to be probably the most difficult three to six to 12 months of your life because you're working on different things and you're learning and you're growing. But if you're willing to do it, hey, remember that promised land we spoke about? That's where the journey might finish for you, right? So I asked them if it's worth it for them. Some people say, no, look, I'm already too busy with my work cool, go do your thing until you're ready. The ones who are ready to go, it's like, all right, awesome. Now let's step on board and actually talk about this. And this might be a good place to put a who this is not for section. That's my favorite technique to screen out Mm. the people who are not a fit. And I'm pretty sure I heard that concept from Marie Forleo at an event that I spoke at probably eight years ago, something like that. She said that one thing because she doesn't like bad customers. That one line, when you insert that into your page, that's your axe section. This is only for people who want to grab their axe. Yep, exactly. All right. And then number 10. And number 10 is WTF Giant Eagles. And this is where I start talking about bonuses or guarantees or other ways that, you know, I can make it easy for them. So this is where I say something like, look, you know, the fact that I've taken other people through the exact steps and systems means what we do works if you work it. But for a limited time, if you come on board, I'm going to guarantee that you make twice the amount that you pay me as an investment. If that doesn't happen, here's the bonuses you're going to be getting and just list out what they actually get as part of the offer. So just make it so easy for them to say yes, if they're the right fit for you. Love it. Well, you've done it again. This is episode 862. We'll put that checklist at 862 in our show notes. We'll link to a transcription of this and a framework that you can use. Of course, Will Wang from Growth Labs with a Z.com. If you have a product or service, so what type of products or services are going to be a good fit for you to help to do this for them or with them, Will? So products or services that we do well in, you know, obviously the online space, we do a lot of work in. 
We do a lot of work with tech as well, or services and products where you kind of have to explain what it is that you do. It's not immediately obvious, right? It's not like, hey, I'm going to sell you this cup, for example. That in a sense, well, yes, you can spin a story around that, but it's a, it's more of a commodity item. So the ones that we work well with, it's like they need a story. The product or the brand or their service needs a bit of an explanation of what it is. So those you know, high value, high ticket ones, typically we do well in. All of these elements apply to what we were doing at Mercedes-Benz. There's most definitely a story going on with that sort of product. But I'm going to show you this other page after we finish this recording. And I know you're going to turn your magic to that. I think you're going to get great results for that guy. And as I said, this is a snapshot of the sort of thing we talk about inside Superfast Business on a regular basis. And in fact, members have been interacting with Will in there around his presentation and giving feedback. We've already seen results. This is where we go. We really the guide here, Will, because we've seen our students get results using this framework. So if you listen to this podcast and you apply this to your product or service and you get a result without having paid a cent, that's what we're all about. And hopefully it lines your pockets and you might want to go to the next step and come on board at Superfast Business or get on with Will at Growth Labs with a Z.com. By the way, that freelancing thing, that's a thing, right? That's a real thing. Yeah, it's actually closed for now, but if they send me an email, I'll add them to the list. We're seeing some really cool results already. So it definitely is. It's your email address, Will. Will at growthlabswithaz.com. That's right. <laughs> All right. There you go. Thank you so much. I look forward to our next chat. I know we've got one coming up on a new exciting topic that we just talked about yesterday. So I'm looking forward to that one and uh, we'll be back in touch. Thank you so much. Thanks, James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com. Thank you.